It's the Creator Spaces show. Do you consider yourself a creator? Yes, absolutely. And what exactly do you create? So right now I've got two things that I'm creating. I've got a blog about golden retrievers, and then I've got a newsletter that kind of reverse engineers why people click on YouTube video titles. Interesting. Let's dig in a little bit about that newsletter. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And why isn't your blog a YouTube channel? <laughs> so I started the blog a couple of years ago. That's why it's not a YouTube channel. But I was kind of a channel manager, editor-in-chief at a fishing company. I had to write six titles a day. So two videos a day, two blog posts a day, and two email subject lines a day. So I was kind of like a running out of ideas. And then my boss was talking to some guy who had a hunting podcast. And he's like, hey, one of our best podcasts was about newbie hunting gear. So then we did one about newbie fishing gear. And then, of course, that crushed it for us. That was like our most opened email of the month. So that was kind of like the light bulb. We're like, hey, like you don't need to come up with ideas yourself. They're already out there. Just model what works. So that kind of led to the newsletter where I'm going across a bunch of different industries, different niches, and finding what works, and then kind of breaking those down into formulas. Like, hey, you know, this is what makes people click, and here's how you can use the same formula to get people to click on yours. Awesome. Yeah, I could see that translating from YouTube videos to newsletter subject lines to podcast titles, yep. just about everything in between. Yep. I mean, all it is really is psychology. People click because of three emotions, desire, curiosity, and fear. And if you can learn how to trigger those emotions, no matter what medium you're in, if it's a podcast title, if it's a blog post subheading or an email subject line, you know, all you have to know is those basics. And then your career as a creator can just take off from there. What are your three favorite formats for titles? Uh, one is the number one skill you're missing to make reaching your goal easier. Two is the ugly truth about industry you don't see. And then <laughs> three is a little uh, vulgar. It's uh, five strange things your vagina does that are actually normal. And the reason that I love that is because one, it's a list of five strange things. Two, it's curiosity. Like strange things builds curiosity but also the contrast between strange things that are normal. I love that. And then vagina's got a little bit of a shock factor. Another question about YouTube for you. Mm -hmm. How much does the content matter versus the title? Ooh, that's a great question. I hate to say it, but I think that they matter equally. So like, yeah, if someone clicks your video and then they watch like 20 seconds of it, they're just going to bounce right away. Then at the same time, if you've got like a great video with 80% retention and it's a 30-minute video, but nobody clicks on it, then you know it's not going to go anywhere. So I think that they're kind of equal, but like at VidSummit, to my great pleasure, everybody was talking about how important the title and thumbnail are. When you're talking about what makes people click, there are three things. It's the thumbnail, the topic, and the frame. So like, you know, obviously the thumbnail is what people see and it grabs someone's attention. The topic, let's say it's, you know, how to get a six pack. And then the frame is kind of how do you make that spicy? Like, how do you make it sexy? How do you make someone want to click on it? So the frame might be how to get a six pack in 20 days or less or five mistakes to getting a six pack or, you know, eat this one thing to get a six pack. So you got to frame it to make it clickable. And yeah, those three elements are what helps people click on your video. How do you build your audience now? What's the current strategy you're using on the newsletter? And what are you using on the blog? 
Yeah, so the blog is pretty easy. I'm just cranking out content, identifying words and topics and ideas that people are searching around golden retrievers, and then trying to provide the best resource for that. So if that's like best brushes for golden retrievers, then you know I'm doing research and I'm creating the best resource for the best brushes for golden retrievers. I'm doing a little bit of promo for that. So like I'll post on Facebook, I'll post my own Facebook page. And then also sometimes I'll go in groups. You know, that's one way to find out what people are searching for is they'll ask in a Facebook group. So then I'm in like 20 different golden retriever Facebook groups. So I'll just answer their questions. And that's how I naturally promote the blog there. And then I've got an email list. So I'll send those out. And that's really all the promo I do for that. And just kind of let Google do its thing. And then, I don't know, four or five, six months later, it's ranking on the first page and I'm getting a couple people per day for that. And then for the newsletter, it's been a lot of word of mouth, thankfully. I just went to Vid Summit, got a bunch of people signed up there, met a lot of cool people. I've been on a couple of podcasts and I'm ever so slowly stepping up my Twitter game. So got a couple more threads coming down the pipe here soon. Nice. And so then how does that differ from where you started out or how you started out building your audience? I'm guessing for the blog, it's pretty similar all the way through. I know those are more a factor of time than anything, but let's focus a little more on the newsletter here, I guess. Yeah, the newsletter was interesting. So I haven't been doing too much promotion recently, but I really, really hustled to get kind of like my first hundred subscribers. One thing is I reached out to a bunch of YouTube creators. I said, hey, you know, here's this new newsletter and here's how it would work for you. So I would just kind of DM them or email them like three different ideas so they'd be like, oh, wow, like these ideas work. Yeah, please sign me up for the newsletter. <laughs> so then one chick, she did teach, you know, how to grow on YouTube. And like the first day it launched, she included me in a video. So that got like my first 30 or so. And the idea kind of came from my first million podcast. And I tweeted, I was like, hey, you know, I've been listening to my first million. This is the idea I came up with. Thanks for the inspiration, guys. And then Sam retweeted it. And that got me like another 50 subscribers. So that's how I got my first 100 subscribers. And then, you know, since then, I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit as far as promotion and just really try to make it the best thing possible. And, you know, because of that, because it has been pretty good, people are sharing it. Awesome. So in podcasting, there's very poor distribution (laughs) and like capture mechanisms in place. Yep. If I don't have a show that can grow on just purely word of mouth, like I have no idea why more people listen, then it's not a good enough show. Yeah. And it sounds like you can apply that same thing to newsletters. Yep. You know, if you wanted to run a newsletter, you could have like a lead magnet and you could run ads to it or you can share it around, post it around. But if you're not going to grow from word of mouth, then you're eventually going to kind of run out. So it has to be good enough that people want to share it. And then when you add those growth tactics on top of that, that then you can really start growing. How do you go about monetizing? Mention some consulting. I'm yep. guessing there might be some AdSense or advertiser sponsorship on the blog. Walk me through it. How do you yes. make your money? On the blog, maybe a little bit more than half is ads. And I'm with Mediavine, so they're my ad network. And that's been great. I also do affiliate marketing. And I have my own little ebook that I work with some dog trainers to create. From most lucrative to least lucrative, it's ads affiliate and then info products there and you know hopefully that'll keep growing and i don't really foresee that order switching anytime soon but ads and affiliate is pretty passive so you can't beat it Uh, and then for the newsletter i didn't have monetization in mind anytime soon 
but like when I had 150 subscribers, this big channel reached out and I got like a decent consulting gig for a couple thousand a month. And that was a nice little surprise. And I'm going to try to do more of that. And then as I grow, hopefully a title generator, and then maybe do like a subscription kind of from that, maybe a newsletter or an ebook, maybe a video course, and then some consulting as well. Nice. I'm a big fan of consulting. Yeah. So I make pretty much all my money off of this sort of stuff. When I first started, I didn't want to do consulting at all. Like, you know, let me do all passive <laughs> stuff. And then I saw like kind of the money and I was like, well, this is kind of easy. I'm definitely, now I'm a fan of consulting. Yeah. If you have nothing except a block of content, consulting is the fastest way to get a hundred, 200,000 in revenue going. Yes. I agree. And especially like for a smaller creator, you know, like if I launch an ebook or a video course, I'm not going to do anything. Like I might do a hundred bucks a month, like a couple hundred dollars a month, maybe a thousand. But with consulting, you know, that's definitely, like you said, the easiest way to make hundred, two hundred thousand a year. What's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right path? Um, With both the blog and the newsletter, it's really email subscribers. It's kind of two reasons, especially for the newsletter. One, I'm not doing that much marketing. So I know that if it's growing, it's through word of mouth. And I know that if people are sharing it through word of mouth, then it's doing its job. It's actually helping people. And then two, with a bigger audience, kind of everything is easier. If I want to validate a product, it's going to be easier with 10,000, 20,000 subscribers than it is with 1,000 or 2,000 subscribers. And like same with any other monetization. With bigger distribution, it's just going to be easier. So yeah, so email subscribers is the North Star metric, and that's how I've been basing all of my decisions right now. Do you have a current goal in terms of subscribers or otherwise within your creator lifestyle? Internally, my goal is more freedom. So like last week I went to Vid Summit. I didn't have any issues of like worrying about what's going to happen. You know, is this going to be published on time? Is this going to be done in time? Is the customer waiting for this? So kind of the internal goal is freedom. You know, the external goal is helping people because I know that if I'm helping enough people, and everything else is going to come. The subscribers are going to come and the money is going to come. And I just started the newsletter a couple months ago. So I guess a quantitative goal right now is about 10,000 subscribers. I'm pretty far away from that now, but, but I've got <laughs> a good solid plan to get there. So I'm not too worried about that. But I know that as soon as I hit that goal, the next goal is going to be 50,000. And after that, it's going to be 100,000. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be and when would it be? So I'm kind of like that typical entrepreneur who like read four-hour work week, got the four-hour fever, and then I was like, yes, I need to be an entrepreneur. But I started with e-commerce and I really wish that I had started with content first. So my tweet would be, as soon as I was done reading the four-hour work week, hey, content is the way. <laughs>